Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Bree Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Have you been feeling discontent or maybe a little bit restless that your life is really good and really full, but you're just yearning for something more? I want to introduce you to my new signature program, The Seize Your Midlife Method, which will be launching in January of 2023. This nine-week comprehensive program will absolutely change this next chapter for you. You will wake up with a sense of purpose and renewed enthusiasm and excitement in your life. You will feel more alive and less blah. If you want more information about the program, go ahead and go to the show notes after the show and get on our email list so that we can get you the information and you can seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad you are here today. And I'm especially excited about my guest today. Catherine McGee is a wife, a mom. She has her MBA from Georgetown. She's a former executive for Rodan and Fields, the former CEO of Westward Learning, and she's held various senior and vice president level marketing roles at, at fast-growing community-driven beauty companies like Bare Minerals and The Bomb Cosmetics, and now... She's an entrepreneur, and I can't wait for you to hear more because there's more f- about her story and her bio, but I wanted to come from her first. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay. So the first question I ask on every episode is, how old are you? <laughs> it's so funny because uh, I feel like I don't get that question um, very much, but I am 47. All right. And I think I told you we're about the same age. So, And I know you live in San Francisco now, but you were actually raised in Europe. Is that right? Yeah. So I was born in England. My mom is French. And then she met my father. And my father's in the military. And they agreed to stay in Europe until I was 14. So I moved to the United States when I was a freshman in high school. Oh my gosh, what a big change. And you end up actually at the University of South Carolina, which is kind of crazy. It's basically down the street from me. And after you graduate, you have a dream of going to Georgetown and getting your MBA. Is that right? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, I moved from Europe to California, which was a bit of a culture shock. And then I ended up moving to the South for college. So I got a very full um, United States experience in just a couple of years. And then I actually moved to Boston and I worked there for a couple of years. And then it was and then it was really you know, I just had it in my head that I really wanted to go to Georgetown more specifically than an MBA, but I really wanted to, to to elevate my career. And so, yeah, and I worked really hard and I got in. That's awesome. And I know you end up meeting your husband there, which is fantastic. But you also end up with an internship, which you said really helped springboard your career. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. And I know it's interesting because I have conversations with a lot of people who've gotten their MBA and some people are like, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? I mean, I think for me, because I met so many amazing people, obviously I met my husband and then, you know, I didn't know this was going to basically change the trajectory of my career, but I ended up getting an internship at L'Oreal and it was fantastic. It was very, very hard, but it was amazing. And that's when I said, okay, you know, I, it's not that I love beauty products, but I love creating experiences that make women feel good about themselves. And and that's what really that internship did for me. That's amazing. And from there, you end up with a really long and quite successful career in the beauty industry. Is that right? I I mean, I love that you say that now because it feels like it was uh, ever winding, right? I mean, I think you start in it and then you pursue these different opportunities. I, I think the best thing that happened to me is like I moved to San Francisco and I started working for Bare Minerals. And at the time, I think I was employee number 50. We, you know, I, I started working one of the first couple of days they went into their first like big girl pants office. And um, it was just so thrilling and exciting and everyone just needed to build the business. And so there wasn't a lot of bureaucracy. Um, it was just, it, you know, and, and that just made me like love the category even more, love the people of even more and, you know, got an opportunity to work, you know, enjoy my job, which, which I feel very fortunate about. That's fantastic. And so somewhere in your long history in beauty, you end up having a child, right? Oh, well, yes, yes. I think that that, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to your podcast have gone through the same thing where they're working and then they start a family and then they're really trying to figure out how to balance that. So I, I was working at Bare Minerals. They called it Bare Essentials at the time for many years. And then I got married and then I left to actually um, work with a couple people from Bare Minerals to start a, a small online company. And then I had a baby at the same time. Okay. Well, I know you talked about how it was just such a crazy time. And I agree with you that any mom listening that was trying to have a fast-paced career and start a family, that it is something really hard to juggle. It's a lot for sure. Adding in all the sleepiness nights and all of the things. But one of the things you had mentioned to me when we chatted before was just how pivotal working for startups after corporate was so pivotal in your career trajectory from then on. And why was that? You you also mentioned that I worked at um, other corporate companies. So I was um, vice president of global marketing for Rodan and Fields for a long time as well. And those are amazing jobs, but it, it is 
while working at a startup is really hard when you have a family, so I was working at big, um, big corporations and I really felt the struggle between how do I do these big jobs that require all of your time and you really don't have a say as to that time, you have to work weekends. And so moving to startups was interesting because I got a little bit more control of that time and I was able to juggle. I did not work less, even though I think there's, there's an impression that you do that, but it was really interesting from a family perspective. But then from a work perspective, it's a totally different ballgame. You have to roll up your sleeves. You have to do everything yourself. You're not sitting on an already successful business. So both Bare Minerals and Rodan and Fields, they were rocket ships. And so you were just helping to execute on this already successful vision versus going to a startup. You have to build that rocket from scratch. And it was a real interesting eye-opener for me to make that shift and change. Yeah. And I agree with you. Kind of when you go to a smaller company, when you're kind of starting from scratch, everybody's playing lots of roles. <laughs> so it's a definitely a different kind of work. I think most people that listen to this podcast know that I started a business myself from scratch. So I know what it's like to have to be scrappy and wear lots of hats. But somewhere in these recent years, you and your friends were having a casual conversation about sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. And I'm, you know, I have to, t- uh, I, I can't wait to get to this part of the conversation because this is what's so fun. But yeah, so I went through years of working at large beauty companies and then I started working at smaller companies and was, I really like the fact that I got a balance of both both careers, but I was actually sitting in Mexico. I was on, I'm on a little trip with my friend and we just started talking. She was single and we're talking about sex and intercourse, which by the way, like five years ago, nobody really did that. They're talking about it more now. And we just started joking about personal lubricants and like, let's just be honest, like blowjobs and things like that. And we just started talking about how disgusting this category was. And like, you walk into the stores and you almost were like, you're so uncomfortable, you'd have to laugh it off. And then we're talking about just just all of this stuff. And then it just, you know, never, I never left me. It never left me that this category just was the opposite of where I came from. And after even one or two years, I looked at all these other ventures because I knew I wanted to start my own business, like leveraging the experience that I had. And I could never leave the idea out of my head. So I just decided, let me do a deep dive. Let me really look at the category. Let me really look what's out there. Let me start talking to women more importantly. And that's when it sort of clicked that really this is going in a woman's body. This product should be made for women. It shouldn't be a joke and it shouldn't be made for men. We can do something better. I can do something better. Yeah. This whole thing is so fascinating to me because one, I agree with you. I think that women are being more open about having conversations, candid conversations. Anyone that knows me personally knows I'm like the prudest person in the room, like blush at any mention of anything having to do with the sex. But I have noticed that even me, prude little me, have had more conversations with my friends in recent years about sex. And I think that, you know, there is that beauty in midlife of where you kind of feel more confident in yourself and less embarrassed. But it Mm -hmm. sounds like in this conversation with your friend in Mexico that it was really 
like you said, personal lubricants that you guys kind of talked about and it's what stuck with you. And it's so interesting because you're right. It's not something that, I mean, I know I've you know, don't really talk to people about Mm -hmm. that. I don't think most people do, but you started reaching out to women and asking questions. So what did that look like? So, and, and I love everything that you just said, because I think this is, we're all going through this experience, right? Like, you know, sexual intercourse is something that it's so important in our life. Listen, people are talking about it in music all the time and they're like talking about it on TikTok. And yet we still feel weird about talking about it. And then we feel even weirder talking about a product like personal lubricant. So for me, it was this, wow, the products haven't evolved because there's been so much sort of stigma associated with it. And and I just said, let, but what I'm such a like product research junkie that I wanted to learn more. And I approached my business, my now co-founder at the time, who was an amazing product developer. And I, and I ran, I said, Hey, I think there's something special here. Like we should stop making, you know, lipstick and foundation and look at this category. And what we found is the minute we started talking to women about it, they opened up. And it wasn't that they opened up about, you know, tawdry sex. It's that they opened up about the challenges that that can create in a relationship or the challenges, the sexual health challenges that we can create. And that's when we really started diving in here because really what we found is that every woman should be using this product on a monthly basis. Our hormones change every month. We go through postpartum, our estrogen drops. If we go through menopause and we're realizing, wow, the stigma associated with this product and us talking about sex is really hampering our ability to have better sexual experiences and reduce pain. And so we, you know, so that's just the tip of the iceberg that we started to dig into. Yeah. And just to back up a minute. So, you know, let's just kind of get an idea of how you go from sitting on this beach in Mexico, (laughs) having a casual conversation with your girlfriend to approaching your former colleague from what I understand and saying, I want to start a company making lube. Like how, how does that leap happen? Because that's a, that's a big leap. If you know me, then you'd probably say it's not a big leap that I said, oh, hey, I have a family and I have a life and I have, you know, a good paying job. I'm going to leave it all to start a, a startup. Um, that probably would surprise my friends and family less. But yes, I had to, I, I, I didn't even tell my husband right away, to be honest, because I was even a little worried about his reaction. So I just decided to do my, like this project of just go just talking and talking and talking to women. Uh, you know, I've been in brand strategy my entire career. So, so when I started doing the marketplace analysis and doing the customer research, it just cre- started to create a picture that really didn't matter whether it was about lubricant. It, what, what, I, what I saw is that this was a marketplace that uh, products women need and nobody was creating products for women. And I saw that to be a big opportunity. And I just started looking at it from a business perspective. And I really tried not to look at it from the other perspectives because otherwise I, I probably would have quit and I probably wouldn't have moved forward. And when you say from the other perspectives, you mean just like talking about it like as a sex thing. Right. As right. opposed to this is a business opportunity. That's right. 
Yeah. Once you, you know, get this in your mind and, and you even told me you were like going down the aisles like at Walgreens and CVS and like looking at this category. So what, what was that like? What was like, you know, the light bulb that went off? It really was, it was two things. It was uh, my co-founder and I really have a passion for building beautiful products. I love branding. I love, I'm a woman too. I, I go into a Sephora and I see these products and it makes me want to buy them. And, you know, I always say it's like mascara. Mascara doesn't, you don't say, oh, wow, my eyelashes are brittle. You say, I want long, beautiful light lashes. Let me buy this mascara. And then you have the opposite reaction when you walk down a store aisle with these personal lubricants, you know, and then I really just, these, these words kept going in the back of my head. So I've had somebody tell me, you know, I use this product and by the way, six out of 10 women use this product and growing. So it is a product women use. We just don't talk about it, but they'd say, it makes me feel like something is wrong with me. Right. And we don't say mascara doesn't make women feel like there's something wrong with them. Right. And, and mm-hmm. it was just, and then I've had women text me who I've talked to and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm in the Walgreens right now. And some guy is buying condoms next to me and it makes me feel really gross. And, you know, I think I just felt that, gosh, women deserve better. Women deserve mm-hmm. better. And I think once it moved to more of that, we had, you know, I used to say this, oh, we're making body products for women. Right. And then I used to then admit, Oh, we're making body products for the intimate moment of a woman's life. And then I, now I say this, we are championing every woman to invest in her sexual experiences because it will improve her libido. It will improve her health and it will improve her relationship. And that's what we believe today and why we feel it's so important to create lines of products that women actually love to use. Nobody should feel ashamed about this category or this product. Yeah. And I know, you know, when we talked, you were talking about KY Jelly, which that's, I think, if most people think of something Mm -hmm. that they, a product that they know, that's kind of what pops into mind. And didn't you say it's like a hundred years old or something like that? Yeah. We, you know, we say KY Jelly was invented before women could even vote. Oh my gosh, isn't that crazy? Yeah. And then brands like Astroglide, you know, great. Like they, they, they do a good service for the folks who likes them. But, you know, they were actually, they're actually produced by a commercial grade lubricant company. So the company that produces Astroglide also produces commercial grade lubricants for cars. Right? Oh my goodness. And then, and then we're sitting there going like, oh my gosh, women today go crazy about what they put on their face right? We put stuff on our face and we want to make sure the ingredients are good for it. And like, we need to be just as concerned or more concerned of what we're putting in our vagina and in our body, because our vagina is way more absorbent than our skin and way more sensitive. And I love this because really like when you saw what was out there and you started asking women, I think you said you asked something like, was it 500, 5,000? What was the number of women that you you actually asked? Originally, the first big survey that we did was to 5,000 women and anonymous. We wanted to make sure we didn't, it was anonymous, women 25 um, and up. And then we've since done another uh, 5,000 person survey as well. 
So we've, wow. we've surveyed a ton of women out there all across the United States, across every city. And then we've also done a ton of focus groups as well. And I'm actually very proud of that because I don't believe there's any other brand in our category that has done that. Like even the merging brands, which I believe me, we're, I, I, we're all doing the same thing. We're trying to create conversation around this topic, but they're very unisex or they're just sort of cloning an existing formula where we said, this is going to a woman's body. We want to treat it as special as the skincare products women put on their face. Let's go really understand what women's needs are and find ways to solve them, right? They go beyond lubrication. And, you know, from what I understand, the colleague that you talked about reaching out to who ends up being your business partner, Sandy, you had worked with at Bare Essentials, right? That's right. So we worked together at Bare Minerals and she had a similar path to me, but fully in the product development side. So she did skincare development for Paracone MD. And then she spent almost seven years at Sephora working on many of their brands. And, you know, I just always remembered her as just, or, you know, I worked with her and I, I knew she had the chops to do what we needed to do, which was completely reinvent the category and really rethink the product, right? Like I kind of say, water-based, it, it doesn't really work, right? Like you have to reapply it, super sticky. And we kind of came in, I almost want to say we were we were very idealistic and we're like, we're going to solve it. It's going to feel like your favorite skincare product, but it's going to be, it's going to last forever and it's going to smell great. And so we had very big lofty goals that we set out to do and she and she was the perfect person to do it with. And I love that. And I know you talked about the moment when you, like you said, you were like professionally stalking her. Like, I want to sit down with you. (laughs) I have an idea. And then she finally (laughs) agrees to have a cocktail with you. And what did you say to her to get her to leave a big company like Sephora to take a risk on being basically an industry disruptor, which is what your goal was? That's right. So I didn't have to stalk her, but I definitely had to persuade her to do this with me. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, she was really sold into the opportunity, but she had a great job. She'd also actually gotten another job offer. And that's when I knew I had to step up my A game. I was like, she's going to take this other job. I can't offer her anything other than a great partnership. And to, and to your, and to your point, like the, uh, the, the, the high risk opportunity of, of just really reinventing a category. And you know what? If she would have said no, then that would have been fine. But it was very important for her to be as excited about this as me. And she was. And then that's when that's when we really – then everything was a go. Like I wasn't going to look back after that. That's awesome. And so talk about the moment that you go to your husband and say, okay, this is now more than an idea. Like I'm legit starting a sexual wellness company making personal lubricants. Like talk about that moment. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about if if you're one of my friends or family, you're a little used to it by now. So I think he wasn't surprised when I was like, okay, so I'm thinking about starting my own business and here's what I want to do. When I told him what it was, he was like, oh my gosh. He, 
you know, it was almost like a sigh of, of um, just like a sigh. And he's like, okay, so now I have to tell everybody that this is what you're doing. But he was very, actually very supportive almost from day one around this idea. And now I would say he's one of our biggest fans. Well, for the reasons you would, you would uh, assume, but also because he's seeing the reaction that women are getting. He's seeing people love the product. He's seeing how excited it makes everybody feel. And then also just the overall like macro landscape around the category. I mean, it is sexual wellness is a real thing now. Like your sexual health and uh, your se- your well-being and how you feel about your sex life has everything to do with wellness. And that's what we're really seeing. Yeah. And I just imagine that once he got over the like, okay, now I got to tell my parents <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is what, you know, you're doing. Like you said, then he could really see you know, all the many levels of benefits it was going to have, probably for him personally too. But let's talk about the aha moment you have when you're out jogging and the name for the company comes to you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I love that you bring that up because starting a business is so, so hard. And I've worked at very big companies and I've worked at other small companies where I was part of a starting team or I was brought on to a starting team. I've never, you know, created the business from scratch and the name and incorporated it. And and what I would say is that it just feels like everything is 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 right and moving in the right direction. So I was jogging down, if you know San Francisco, we live in San Francisco, up along the bay to the Golden Gate Bridge. And I'm like, I need a great name. I need a name that makes every woman just kind of chuckle. Because I say, you know what, if we're going to talk about this, we got to, I say, we're going to break the ice with women so they can break the norm in their bedroom. I've always wanted this to have sort of a cheeky and fun vibe to it, right? We say nice girls finish first. We say, I like my sex, like I like my martini, right? Like we don't want to, we don't want to hit it on the head, but we want to like make people chuckle about it. Because by the way, it's part of our everyday life. And then there was something that distracted me about playgrounds. You know, I just thought it was so friendly, but yet we were going to turn it on its head, right? It's like the girl next door, like it's very approachable, but there's something a little sexy underneath it that we can turn it on its head. But I, I knew that we needed to get the branding right first. So I actually didn't tell anybody about the name until we, we, we finalized our packaging and branding and website. In fact. Wow. And I love the name too. Like you said, it's playful. Playgrounds, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really mm-hmm. is. And it's catchy and it's simple. But talk a little bit about actual product development because like you said, that what had been in the category is like kind of sticky, feels a little bit, you know, nasty to be honest, you know, has really no fragrance. Like talk a little bit about how you guys, you know, you weren't like in your kitchen whipping up batches of lube. So <laughs> what did that look yeah. like? You know, we, so we, having created so many products, this is very different because you can't just go to an existing manufacturer and say, Hey, I want to create a product. And by the way, it's not a beauty product. It's a medical device. The government regulates it as a medical device because it it interfaces with a woman's reproductive organs. So we had to go find our own chemist. We had to do a lot of digging. We did, we sourced our own ingredients. Um, we did it in a very professional manner, but we just, you know, I've never, usually don't 
bring in a chemist to a company until you're many years old. But what we've learned is that every formula has been developed by men, right? All the chemists are men. Usually the, the formulas are just a copycat of what's been on the market for years and years. Like, and I think it was really sort of helpful that we were a team of women. Our chemist was a woman. We were all women. We talked to a bunch of women and it just led our development process from there. Like we knew the five things that women hated about the product and the five things that we wanted to add to the product. Proud of a couple of things. We're proud that it's not sticky. We use a blend of ingredients really from skincare. It's not just playground that's really fun. Each one of our products, bottles, has a really fun name to it. But we also have a lot of beneficial ingredients for the vagina. You know, I would say we're the first lubricant that's actually good for the vagina. We have nutrients and, and vitamins and supplements that help to, you know, improve moisture over time and things like that. Well, and you really talked about that having a clean product was really important to your team. And why was that? It was important. And what we didn't realize is how hard it really was because we just assumed, oh, it's going to be like creating a, a clean skincare product. But it became even more important, right? We know that you don't want to have parabens and other products in your skin that your skin absorbs, you know, toxins and things like that. But it also can break break your skin out or make it dry. For your, you know, vagina, I'm going to use that word, or your vulva, it's important that it stays pH balanced. It is fast absorbent. So it's important that you're not absorbing in any, you know, bad ingredients. And the more we learned about truly how, how special and delicate the vagina is, the more we were, it felt important to us to make sure all of our ingredients were very, very safe. And then also add in ingredients that we knew could be penetrated and absorbed and be helpful to the vagina. Wow. I love that. So yeah, like over the first year of the business, it moved from, oh my gosh, this is a sex product to, oh my gosh, this is a beneficial skincare product for your vagina. And, and when we started talking it like that, like we can now comfortably talk about it in our office. Well, and I love that because I feel like, like you said, you had a team of women. This product, what was going to be different about it was that it was going to be geared, it is geared towards women. And so to even have your chemist be a woman just is so, so amazing. And, you know, like I said, I used the term before, like really just an industry disruptor. I had a woman on the podcast um, a little while ago who develops skincare and beauty products that she calls beyond organic because they're not only organic, they give your skin something. And I love like that you are saying that this lubricant not only you know, it stays, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't disappear. It's all clean, but it actually gives extra things, extra things that are good. It's that beyond, beyond clean. And I love that. I think that's amazing. And I think that women listening, you know, are going to want to be engaged in that because I know you talked about when you started reaching out to these 5,000, now more than 5,000 women, there were very clear things that people said were kind of going wrong um, in their sex lives. Pain, I think you said, was mm -hmm. one of the big ones? Yeah. So six out of 10 women experience pain with intercourse. Even more women experience arousal issues, right? I mean, we've all – you know, I always say this. Like, a man can have an orgasm faster than you can turn, like, a light switch on. 
But women, <laughs> we just need a little bit more time, right? And these are all ha- using products like these really help women for various reasons. Uh, but I kind of wanted to go back a little bit to, to comment on what you just said, because what's so interesting is that when I started fundraising or started talking to people, I had a lot of men say, oh, women don't buy this product. This isn't for women. And, and it blew my mind. And I couldn't change their mind. I couldn't change their mind. They're like, no, men, buy, I buy this for my wife. And I said, well, yeah, that's great that you buy it for your wife. But a lot of women buy it for themselves and it goes inside the woman's body and that's what we should care about. And so for me, I really just want to encourage women to step up and take ownership or control of it. Not not to say I don't mind men buying it. I just want to empower more women to feel comfortable enough to make that decision and and, and bring it into the bedroom them, themselves. You know, most partners would like love you to do that anyway, but it's <laughs> yes. just sort of like this changing the narrative from like, this is the product that, you know, we're always trying to please our, our partner. Okay. No, it's time to start pleasing ourselves. Yes. Well, and I think the thing too, is that you and I had talked briefly about kind of the like embarrassment. Like if you had to put like KY jelly in your little basket at Walgreens, you're like, oh my God, like, please don't let me run into like the PTA mom, right? Like there (laughs) is this embarrassment and like, ugh. But your packaging is really beautiful and feminine and it doesn't scream like lube, you know? So I feel like women probably will be more likely to make those purchases because they don't have to feel embarrassed about it, that it feels like part of their overall, like you said, wellness and beauty care and health routine as opposed to like something that feels like, oh gosh, this is like the equivalent of buying a sex toy, you know, because it's not. Right. Right. Yes. You are completely right. Or at least that's what we think. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going on to that packaging, which I can't wait for people to see and see pictures of because it's fantastic and it's feminine. And I I think nobody's going to be embarrassed to have it in their little basket. But Let's talk about you also really were mindful of the environment when you picked out the packaging. Is that right? Yes. You know, I think it was just something we knew from the very beginning that we didn't even need to discuss that we wanted to make sure that we were thoughtful in our packaging. Most beauty product packaging, particularly if it's under four inches, can't be recycled. So even if it says it's recyclable, just it, it those type of packages don't get recycled. So we made a bottle that used 30% PCR packaging post-consumer recyclable materials. Therefore, we weren't just saying you can recycle our bottle. We are actually using recycled materials to create our bottle. I don't think there's anyone else that's doing that right now. It, you know, It's not the cheapest thing for a company to do, but it's our small part. And then also our secondary packaging is also PCR materials and also recyclable. Well, I love that because I feel like it just makes another reason that it's such a great product and that it's not what anybody else is doing, that it is so different in the marketplace. And it's another reason people can feel really good about buying it, which is amazing. I want to kind of go back to talking about funding because I'm guessing that most people listening, you know, have never started a company that required, you know, FDA approval and a chemist and all of these things. And so there is 
fundraising that needs to happen. And I'm actually reading this book right now called When Women Lead. And it's about women and a lot of CEOs. And they talk about the smallest percentage of you know, angel funding, for example, that goes to women, that the majority does not. And I imagine that as you're going out getting funding, first of all, you're talking about something that, you know, a, a middle-aged man or, or maybe, you know, whatever, can't understand. So talk about what that funding process was like for you. Mm-hmm. you know, I talked to a lot of, living in San Francisco, I talked to a lot of female entrepreneurs and a lot of us are focusing on what I call female industries. And, and it's the combination of, it's not necessarily that you're a female entrepreneur, but if you are trying to educate, you know, male-dominated people and male-dominated companies and an industry about female categories, that is very hard because there's not this natural, easy way to sort of relate to something, right? I kind of joke that if I was selling like crypto, (laughs) maybe things would be easier for me. But I do feel like people have become a lot more receptive now, which is very good. And I, I really try to create a argument or presentation around my business that I could actually pull out the category name and the product names right, that were in lubricant, and it still makes sense to, to people that were, look, you know, raising capital because, you know, they're looking for certain industry dynamics and certain things that are their indicators of whether a business is going to be successful, not, not necessarily like the nature of the category itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. I know you talked about how you just really like refined your elevator pitch basically, you know, that you were like, okay, I'm, it's really a business pitch and that you're going to take out like the blushing and all the things and just get mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the right. business side of it. And, and that that's kind of how you were able to, to get over that hump of having to, to have those awkward conversations. Yeah. And, and that just took practice. That took practice and realizing, Hey, I'm not going to die of embarrassment when I start talking about these things, because I have yet to die of embarrassment. <laughs> and then then I it, I kind of keep moving down um, that path. And then people, it you know, I, I actually love that we're catalyzing this conversation. I've, I've talked to groups of men who come up to me afterwards and said, wow, like, you know, that would have made me uncomfortable, but you did not make me uncomfortable. And like, you really were, talked about all the compelling reasons about the, the business and what you're doing. And I really love that. I really love that. I don't think anybody should make women feel ashamed. And when we talk to anybody, we can kind of help them realize that they, that this is not something that should have any stigma associated with it, at least not in the way that we're doing it. Well, I'm glad that, you know, you got to the point where you didn't have to feel like you were embarrassed or that the men listening to your pitches stopped, you know, squirming. But speaking Mm -hmm. of dying of embarrassment, (laughs) you talk about this really funny moment where you get your brother on a Zoom call and your dad pops in to like announce the 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 business. <laughs> yes. Yes. And thanks for making me tell the story. Uh, so, <laughs> it's so, an awesome one. <laughs> well, it is it's so interesting because I, I, for a whole year prior to this, we, we this product took us almost two years to make. We had to talk to chemists. We had to talk to manufacturing facilities, raw ingredients. I've raised capital at this point. I closed 
my first like convertible note fundraise. I've had this conversation almost every day for a year. And I'm trying to empower women to have this conversation too. And yet I haven't told my own parents. So I finally text my brother and my mom and I go, Hey guys, and I'm launching the business in two weeks. And I go, please, um, please join me on a zoom. I need to share what I've been working on. And of course my brother jokes, he's like, okay, zoom, that sounds formal. So I'm just going to tell them on the zoom call. And then my 75 year old dad walks into the room and he's like, family meeting. This is great. And I like what? <laughs> It wiped away two years of confidence because I'm like, oh, I have to tell my 75-year-old dad now that, you know, I'm creating this business. And But I, I, you know, I just put on my fundraising hat and CEO hat and I just gave them my pitch. I pulled up all of my materials and it was really funny to see their many reactions over the course of, of, of the hour. Well, because didn't you say your brother, of course, like as siblings do, just really had to like razz you about it. <laughs> My father kept making comments the whole time because, you know, he's always been one of those supportive dads. So I think at this point, he, anything that came out of my mouth, he was just going to find a way to be supportive. And my mom, I think my mom was just mortified <laughs> to have this conversation. But what it's interesting is, is when I talk to women who are in their 20s, uh, they're not mortified at all. Like they're, they're can't wait to have this conversation. So I really do think that maybe if you're in 70, when you're in your seventies, it's, it's a very uncomfortable conversation with you in your forties. It's a little bit uncomfortable. And now in your twenties, it's, it's cool. It's cool to talk about. And you mentioned that to me, and I thought that was so interesting and fascinating that, you know, the generation below us is so much more comfortable. And hopefully they will go on to change the narrative because I agree with you. It's probably, you know, our parents' generation, oh my gosh, like so embarrassing, like don't bring it up. Um, and then, you know, mm -hmm. slowly but surely as we get down to the younger years, people are are more, you know, liberal in being able to discuss this. And I think it's important because like you said, it's not just what's happening in your bedroom. It's a picture of health, your sex life is. So I think that's really mm -hmm. important. But I still just love, I love the image that comes to my mind of like, you know, your parents and your brother kind of giving you crap because that's what yeah. brothers do. And <laughs> That's right. Yes. All the things. I love it. Okay. So one of the things that you told me that I thought was so fascinating was about the power of smell in the bedroom and how you guys incorporated that into your product. Can you talk about that? Yes, because we feel it's very important and it's something that we have to educate. So really it starts with all of our five senses. We use all of our five senses in our life, but we really use all of our five senses in the bedroom, right? Like chemistry between two people is really through our senses. Like when, when we feel like we have chemistry from someone, it's because we're looking at them and we're smelling them and we're touching them and we're talking to them. And so that becomes very important in the bedroom. So first we looked at like negative sensory reactions and positive ones. And one of the most negative ones in the bedroom and, and also positive is scent. So if you don't like the smell of something, then you're going to have a visceral reaction. And that's how people have a, for this product to date. Like if you get one of these products and it smells bad or it's sticky, we immediately recoil. You know, And then for men and women, when we're in the middle of being together, 
scent is our top sensory sense that we use. And that's been widely studied. So we just felt it was very important to use this as a tool. So we, of course, have, you know, Love Sesh. We call it free of scent, full of fun. But we have three other products that have their own essence. Because, you know, we don't want to scent in the bedroom. We don't want a fragrance in the bedroom by any means. But we do want to enhance the experience and have a little bit of a pop of surprise, like anything to kind of amp up things. And so we have like a champagne and vanilla. We have one called Mini Escape, which is coconut and, and sandalwood. And then we have like a very like sexy oud wood essence as well. Yeah. And like we actually create like a, a sample packet so people can try all of them. And I encourage that because, you know, we have a chief sexologist, Dr. Emily Morse, and she's very much about just try new things. Try any new thing. You will you will improve your sex life um, or your intimate relationship just by trying new things. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. I had never heard that about smell, but it makes sense. And I think that the fragrances that you talk about sound so enchanting. I mean, I hope that people do go get the little package and try, you know, the different different scents and see what works best for them. And can we just take a second and say, wow, you have a chief sexologist. I love that <laughs> so much. Not many CEOs can say they have that person yes. on their leadership team. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Uh, her name is Dr. Emily Morris. She is known for her intimacy podcast called Sex with Emily. And she's amazing. Talk about somebody who's very comfortable to talk to women and couples about all things in the bedroom. Um, people love her. And we we were connected with her. And she widely talks about how she feels we are. We, you know, Playground has the best product out there. And, you know, it was a natural fit to bring her onto our leadership team. And really, like she she represents such an important voice when it comes to this entire like sexual intimacy and sexual wellness category. Yeah, I think that's so fantastic. It sounds like she's really an expert in that field. So as you know, the majority of our listeners, or I would say, you know, 99.9% .9 are in midlife. And I know your product was not specifically designed for women in midlife, but why do you think it's especially important at this stage? Well, I think it's no accident that my friends and I started joking about it a couple of years ago, right? Because when you move into midlife, you know, you a couple things happen, your body changes, you start moving into perimenopause. Many times you've been in a relationship for a very long time. And you know, friction becomes sort of a natural thing. And, and, and really, you know, and for women to have pleasure in the bedroom, there's a mix of emotional and physical, for sure. So we need to start helping ourselves there. We just, we've been trained for too many years not to give ourselves help. And now there's both a pleasure and a wellness benefit. The pleasure benefit is that you will enjoy the experience better. Your partner will enjoy better. The wellness experiences about it is that you're reducing friction, right? So why should everybody use lubricant? Because 80% of urinary tract infections are correlated with sexual intercourse due to irritation and friction and change of pH balance. And a good personal lubricant will solve that. But even as, you know, I would say 100% of women will go into perimenopause and menopause. 
So it's absolutely normal for women to experience these issues. And, you know, that's why it's, it's important to at least give this a try to, because it should benefit you. It should at least reduce the dryness and reduce the pain. And some women have experienced a lot of pain. They experience tears and things like that. Wow. And I know that, you know, going from perimenopause into full-blown menopause, that vaginal dryness is, you know, definitely one of the symptoms. But I think in your survey, you found that there was a huge percentage of women across the board that really experienced vaginal dryness. Is that right? Yeah. You know, we know it affects about 60% of women or six out of 10 women. And then we know that it very much um, impacts women who have had a baby and women who are going into menopause. It's just one of those those symptoms. I, you know, I think our survey found that almost nine out of 10 women in their mid 40s and beyond experience dryness. But it'd be shocking to think that, that you know, I think every woman in, in, who is in midlife will have this, this challenge at some point. But Instead of feeling bad for yourself, just think of it like dry skin on your face. Just go get the the moisturizer and it will keep your skin younger. It'll make you look amazing. And that's just how you need to start. We need to start thinking about um, personal lubricant. I love that. And do you feel like, speaking of midlife, that it was easier or harder to start a business in midlife? I would say 80% easier, 20% harder. 80% easier because you do just, you start caring less about what people think and more about what's important to you and your family. And also you have a ton of experience, you know, whether you have ever worked or not worked or stay at mom, you have a ton of life experience that should just empower you to be able to do more than what you did. (laughs) But I do joke, right? I need to get more sleep at night than I did. I can't like power. I can't drink 10 cups of coffee and stay up till four o'clock in the morning working like I used to. Right. Exactly. Well, and I feel like um, I've had other entrepreneurs say that, you know, they have more, you know, more kind of to on the line to lose. But I agree with you that there is this just beauty of confidence that comes in midlife. It's one of the mm-hmm. greatest blessings mm-hmm. of midlife. That confidence kind of it offsets the other things in your life, right? Like yesterday was trick-or-treating. I had to stop work early and take my child out for trick-or-treating. And that typically would have stressed me out 10 years ago. But now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have to be really productive and clever and strategic about my time when I work now so that I can still carve out the important time for my family and friends. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure everyone listening can can appreciate that balance that you have to create. Okay, I have one final question for you. And that would be, what would you tell a woman that's listening? Because I know she's out there that maybe has let this area, the area of, of sex in her life just fizzle out. What would you tell her? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I would say? Number one, be open with your friends. I think that is one of the things that has been really fascinating with me. We've hosted these focus groups and these mini talks on Zoom or in person. And the minute you break that ice and have that conversation with your friend, you are going to all of a sudden 
everyone's going to relate to you. Everyone's going to say, oh my gosh, I experienced the same thing. Oh my gosh, this is the exact same thing for me that you can all laugh over. And then people will start opening up about, about what to do. And there's nothing better than one-on-one or like having your friends really encourage you in that area. We've heard women really open up and say, gosh, I just have no desire in the bedroom, right? Like one of the things that menopause does is not just dryness. It changes your hormones so that you have less of a desire. So having those conversations. And then number two, I would say follow Sex with Emily. Um, we actually created this fun game of you know all the different ways to try lube in the bedroom. You would be shocked. It's sort of like, oh, I don't want to exercise. But then you get out there and you go for a walk and you immediately feel better, right? If you just you know, say, I'm going to like get lube and I'm going to go in the bedroom and I'm going to try these three things. You will all of a sudden realize, well, maybe I'm not as, maybe I, maybe I, there's something still there that I need to get percolating again. Yeah. I love that. And I think that you're probably right. Sex begets sex, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then one, one thing that like, there's not enough research out because frankly, 75% of every dollar, whether it's product creation, marketing, or research goes into male sexual wellness or dysfunction. It, it probably higher than that. Even though women have the majority of sexual health and wellness issues. Oh, and there was a point I was talking about here. Oh, oh but now there are studies that are saying, listen, if, if you maintain your sexual life, you will delay menopause, right? Because your re- reproductive organs are as responsive as the muscles in your legs. So if you're working on them, they're going to keep working. Fascinating. And so it really it really is about anti-aging and health and wellness, right? We're women, right? We're, we have reproductive organs. It's such an important part of our life. And yet, for some reason, we haven't made it as important as it should be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am so glad you were on today. I am excited for women to hear this conversation, and to go find your product and hopefully get that spark back in the bedroom. So tell people where they can find you and your products. Yes, you can find us online. Our website is helloplayground.com. And um, we also love to hear from from women. As much, I mean, we're, we have a blog called Sex and the Psyche where we're starting to, on a weekly basis, write articles for women in, in, you know, definitely women in midlife, right? So women who are having, who need a little bit of, a little bit more encouragement in the bedroom or want to understand the product more, understand ingredients more. So it's also a resource tool. Love it. Thank you so much for taking time today to talk to us. This was a fascinating conversation. I absolutely loved it. And I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot and hopefully change their sexual wellness. <laughs> I'm so happy to talk with you as well. And I, you know, I'm just glad that if the two of us can start talking about it. I know other, other, we can encourage other women to start talking about it as well. Absolutely. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to the Caesar Midlife podcast every week. I appreciate it more than you know. If you can so kindly subscribe to the podcast or give it a rating or review, that will help more women find the podcast. And the more women that join in on this conversation, the fuller it will be. Thanks so much, friends, and have a wonderful day. 